0: Listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I am reading and reflecting on this four volume, 2500 plus page work of the Venerable Maria of Agrida. If you want to follow along in a book form, you can go over to Tan Books, and there you can find the four volumes of the Mystical City of God. And at checkout, if you use the code PODCAST15, you'll save 15% off. Also, if you would like to discuss the readings with a community who is listening and reading along with me, well then, go over to Facebook and look for the Mystical City of God in your podcast Facebook group, and there you'll be able to interact with others and share insights about what touched you most about the reading and to receive updates also from me. Today is Day 37. And we are reading from Volume 1, Book 1, Chapter 19. And today we'll be reading from Paragraph 298 to 311. Accordingly, it is said, And the square of the city was of pure gold, as it were transparent glass. The piazza, or square of that city of God, Most Holy Mary, is its interior, or her soul. Here, as in a square or marketplace, all the life converges, and here the commerce and trade of the republic of the soul is transacted, for it is the center of the activity of the senses and other faculties. The squares, the most holy Mary, was of purest and transparent gold, because composed of the wisdom and love of God himself. Never was it affected by dullness, ignorance, or inattention, all her thoughts were most exalted, and all her affections were inflamed with immeasurable love. On the square, the highest mysteries of the divinity were deliberated. From the square were heard the words, Fiat mihi secundum verbum tuum, which gave a beginning to the most exalted work that God ever accomplished or will ever accomplish. Sidebar, Fiat mihi secundum verbum tuum, as let it be done to me according to your word. There the innumerable petitions in favor of the human race were devised, and sent up to the tribunal of God. There those riches were amassed, which will expel poverty from all the world. If men will enter into commerce with it, there also is the armory against the demons and all vices. For in most holy Mary are the graces and virtues which make her terrible to hell, and which afford us courage to overcome the devilish host. He says farther. And I saw no temple therein, for the Lord God Almighty is the temple thereof, and the Lamb. The temples of the cities serve as places of prayer and worship to be rendered to God. And it would be a great defect if in the city of God there were no temple befitting its greatness and excellence. Hence, in the city of Holy Mary is so sacred a temple— that the omnipotent God himself and the Lamb itself that is the humanity and the divinity of his only begotten Son are reverenced and adored in spirit, and more worthily than in all the temples of the world. For he dwelt in her, as in his proper habitation. He was also himself the temple of Mary, since she was encompassed, surrounded and enclosed by the divinity and the humanity, both of which served her as a habitation and a tabernacle. For being in God she never ceased to adore, worship, and petition this same God, an incarnate word within her womb, thus in spirit living in God and in the Lamb as in a temple, since her continual sanctity was befitting to such a temple. In order to think worthily of this heavenly mistress, we must always consider her as enclosed in the divinity, and in her Most Holy Son as in a temple." Thus shall we understand what acts and processes of love, adoration, and reverence were accomplished by her, what delights she experienced in the same Lord, what petitions arose in her for the human race, and how earnestly from her inmost heart and with burning charity she cried and begged for the salvation of mortals, when in spirit she saw the great necessity of their salvation. Further, says the evangelist, And the city hath no need of the sun and the moon, to shine in it. For the glory of God hath enlightened it, and the Lamb is the lamp thereof. The sun and the moon are not necessary in the presence of greater light than their own. And thus in the Empyrean heaven, where the infinite suns give their light, the absence of our sun is no defect, though it is so resplendent and beautiful. In the Most Holy Mary, our Queen, there was no need of created sun or moon to enlighten and direct her for without comparison she pleased and delighted God. Nor could the wisdom, sanctity, and perfection of her works have any other teacher and director than the Son of Justice itself, her most holy Son. All other creatures were far too deficient to assist her in being a worthy mother of her Creator. Nevertheless, in the same school of the Lord, she learned to be the most humble and obedient among the humble and obedient. Though she was taught by God himself, Yet she hesitated not to supplicate and obey the most abject among men in those things in which it was not unbecoming. Being the disciple of him who corrects the wise, she drew the divine philosophy of humility from him, her great master, and she rose to such wisdom that the evangelist could say, And the nation shall walk in the light of it. For if Christ our Lord calls the doctors and saints burning lights placed upon the candlestick to enlighten the Church, lights such as were scattered through the ages to the patriarchs and prophets, apostles, martyrs, doctors, filling the Catholic Church with such effulgence that it appears to be a heaven with many suns and moons, what shall we say of the most holy Mary, whose light and splendor incomparably exceeds all the doctors and teachers of the Church? Yea, that of the angels of heaven." If only the mortals were possessed of clear sight to see the splendor of the light of the Most Holy Mary, it alone would suffice to enlighten every man in the world and to illumine for them the paths of heaven. Therefore, because all those who have attained to the knowledge of God walked in the light of this holy city. St. John says that the nations have walked in the light of it. Moreover, he adds most truly, and the kings of the earth shall bring their glory and their honor into it. Very blessed are those kings and princes who with happy zeal use their power and influence to fulfill this prophecy. All of them should do so. But fortunate are they that turn with sincere affection to Most Holy Mary, employing their life, their honor, their riches, and their high position in the defense of that city of God, extending her glory in the world and magnifying her name in the Catholic Church in opposition to the crack-brained madness of the heretics and infidels. With the deepest sorrow... I behold Catholic princes who are remiss in seeking the favor of this queen, fail to ask her assistance to the great dangers of their states, and do not look upon her as a refuge and protection and an intercessor and advocate. If the dangers of kings and potentes are great, let them remember that their obligation to be thankful is not any less. For this heavenly queen herself says that through her kings do reign, Prince's command, and the powerful administer justice. Proverbs 8.16. She loves those that love her. Ecclesiastes 14.31. And those that magnify her attain eternal life, since those that work with her do not sin. I do not wish to conceal the light, which many times, and especially on this occasion, has been vouchsafed to me in order to be made known to others. In the Lord it was shown me that all the afflictions of the Catholic Church and all the labors of the Christian people have been invariably mitigated by the intercession of Most Holy Mary. Then the turbulence of the present times, when heretical pride surges up so high against God and His lamentably afflicted Church. Only one remedy is left for these miseries, namely, that the Catholic kings and governments turn to the Mother of Grace and Mercy, Most Holy Let them seek her favor by rendering her a special homage, so that the devotion and honor of Mary may grow and spread over the whole earth, and thus draw her toward us with a look of pity. Then it may be that she will obtain for us the grace of her Most Holy Son, that all the unbridled vices now infecting the Christian people through malice of the enemy will be reformed, And through her intercession, the wrath of the Lord, which so justly chastises us and threatens us with yet greater calamities and misfortunes, will be appeased. From this reformation and amendment of our sins would also spring victory against the infidels and the extirpation of the false sects that oppress the Holy Church. For the Most Holy Mary is the sword, which is to destroy and cut them down all over the world. Even now the world suffers the losses consequent upon this forgetfulness. If the Catholic kings are not successful in the government of their countries and the preservation and the spread of the Catholic faith in overcoming their enemies or in the warfares and battles against the infidels, all this happens because they do not follow this guiding star, which shows them the way, because they have not placed Mary as the beginning and immediate end of their works and projects, and because they forget that this queen treads in the path of justice in order to teach it, exalts and enriches those that love it. Proverbs 8, 20. O thou prince and head of the holy Catholic Church, O ye prelates who are also called princes of the Church, and thou Catholic prince and monarch of Spain, to whom, according to my natural obligation, and through the great love and special providence of the Most High, I direct this humble and earnest appeal, Cast thy crown, thy monarchy, at the feet of this queen and mistress of heaven and earth. Seek out this restoratrix of the human race. Listen to her, who by power divine is placed over all the hosts of men and of all the infernal regions. Turn thy affection toward her, who holds in her hands the keys of the goodwill and treasures of the Mosai. Transport thy honor and renown of the city of God, who has no need thereof in order to increase hers, but who can improve and exalt thy own. Offer to her with Catholic enthusiasm and with a whole heart some great and pleasing service, and the recompense will be immeasurably great. The conversion of the heathens, the victory over heresies and paganism, the peace of the church, new light and help to improve the lives of men, in a great and glorious reign for these in this life and the next. O my fatherland, kingdom of Spain, which on account of thy Catholic faith art most fortunate. Even more fortunate shall thou be if the steadfastness and sincerity of thy faith given to thee by the Almighty, thou wilt add the holy fear of God corresponding to thy distinguished faith, would that in order to arrive at this summit of thy happiness, all thy inhabitants unite in a burning devotion to the Most Holy Mary. How greatly would thy glory then shine forth! How much wouldst thou be enlightened! How valiantly wouldst thou then be protected and defended by this queen, and how would thy kings be enriched by treasures from on high, and through their agency how widely would the sweet law of the gospel spread among the nations. Remember that this great princess honors those that honor her, enriches those that seek her, makes illustrious those that praise her, and defends those that hope in her. Be assured that in order thus to show herself a mother and shower her mercies upon thee, she hopes and desires to be approached and solicited. At the same time, remember that God is under no necessity to anyone, Psalm 15.2, and that he can make out of stones children of Abraham, Luke three eight. If thou make thyself unworthy of such great good, he can reserve this glory for those that serve him, better, and make themselves less unworthy of the reward. And in order that thou mayest not remain ignorant of thy service, which in our days, among many others, taught thee by the devotion and piety, should be rendered to this great queen and mistress of men, and consider the present position, which the mystery of her immaculate conception holds in the Catholic Church, and direct thy attention to supply what is still missing, to establish firmly this fundamental doctrine of that city of God, Let no one despise the suggestion as coming from a weak and ignorant woman, or as a notion founded in a prejudiced love of a state and profession consecrated to the name and honor of Mary Immaculate. For the conviction and light which I have received in the knowledge of her life is sufficient for me, not for my own honor, nor relying upon my own judgment and authority, do I make this exhortation. I obey the command of the Lord who gives speech to the mute and makes eloquent the tongues of the infants. Let those that admire the merciful liberality also take notice of what the evangelist adds, saying, And the gates thereof shall not be shut by day, for there shall be no night there. The portals of mercy of most holy Mary never were and never are closed, nor was there in her from the first instant of her conception any darkness of guilt which might close the gates of this city. As it happened in the rest of the saints, just as in those places where gates are always open, all those that wish can issue forth or enter at all times, so no prohibition hinders mortals from entering freely to the divinity, through the gates of the mercy of the most pure Mary. For in that city is the storehouse of the treasures of heaven, open to all without limitation of time, place, age, or sex. All were free to enter ever since its foundation. For that very purpose, the Most High has opened so many portals in this foundation, leaving them unlocked, free and open to the light, so that from the first moment of Mary's purest conception, mercies and benefits began to descend upon the whole human race. But through the city has so many gates from which issue the riches of divinity. Yet it is on that account, not the less, secure from its enemies, Therefore, the text proceeds, There shall not enter into anything defiled, or that worketh abomination, or maketh a lie, but they are written in the book of the life of the Lamb. Rehearsing again the glories of the city of God, the evangelist closes this twenty-first chapter, assuring us once more that there was no blemish in her, because she received an immaculate body and soul. This, however, never could be said of her if she was tainted by original guilt and much less have stains or blemishes of actual sins ever found entrance in her. That which entered into the city of God is entirely similar to that which is of the Lamb, her Most Holy Son, was taken as the pattern and model for her formation, and from no other being could any excellence of the Most Holy Mary be copied, even when there is question of the smallest. If indeed anything can be called small in her, since this portal, Mary, was to be the portal of a city of refuge for the mortals, it could only be with the understanding that he, who is a perpetrator of abomination and lies, should never find part or entrance through it. But let not, on this account, the sinful and guilty sons of Adam hesitate to approach the gates of this holy city of God, for if they approach with contrition and humility to seek the cleansing of grace, they will find in it these gates of the great queen, and in no others. She is clean, pure, abounding in grace, and above all, she is the mother of mercy. She is sweet, loving, and powerful to enrich our poverty and to cleanse us from the stains of all our sins. Instruction which the Queen of Heaven gave me concerning these chapters, and these chapters would be those concerning Revelation 21. My daughter, these chapters contain excellent direction and light though thou hast left in them many things unsaid. Seek, therefore, to draw profit from all that thou hast understood and written. Be waring lest thou receive the light of grace in vain. This in brief I wish thee to remember. Be not dismayed that thou wert conceived in sin, and as an earthly creature feelest within thyself the earthly inclinations, but strive against thy passions to a finish. In doing this thou wilt at the same time battle against thy enemies, With the help of the Almighty's grace thou canst rise above thyself, and make thyself a daughter of heaven, whence all grace comes. In order that thou mayest attain thereto, let the habitation continue to be in the higher regions, keeping the mind fixed in the knowledge of the immutable being and perfections of God, and never allowing thy attention to be drawn away to another, even otherwise necessary object. With this continual presence and memory of God's greatness, Thou wilt dispose thyself for the influx of the Holy Spirit and his gifts, in closest friendship and communication with the Lord, in order to evade all hindrance to this, his holy will, which I have already many times pointed out and made manifest to thee, seek to mortify the inferior part of thy being, the seat of the evil inclinations and passions, Die to all that is earthly. Sacrifice in the consciousness of God's presence all thy sensitive appetites. Fulfill none of their impulses, nor ever satisfy thy own will outside of the narrow limits of obedience. Do not leave the secret refuge of interior recollection where the Lamb enlightens thee. Adorn thyself for entrance into the bridal chamber of thy spouse, and permit the hand of the Almighty to array thee in such a manner as he wishes, always seeking to concur with him and place no obstacle in his way. Purify thy soul by many acts of sorrow, for having offended him, magnify and praise him with the most ardent love. Seek him, and rest not until thou hast found him whom thy soul desires. Hold him, and do not let him go. Canticle three, four. I wish thee to proceed on thy pilgrimage like one who has already arrived at the journey's end, keeping thy gaze continually on the source of all the glory. Let the rule of thy life be to walk in the light of faith and in the brightness with which the omnipotent shall fill and illumine thy soul to continue to love, adore, and reverence him without any cessation or diminution. This being the will of the Almighty in thy regard, consider what shall be thy gain. But remember also what may be thy loss. See, thou do not run this risk. Subject thyself with thy whole will, and being to the guidance of thy spouse, of myself, and of holy obedience, which must always be thy standard. Thus the mother of the Lord instructed me, and I answered her, filled with great confusion. Queen and mistress of all creation, whose servant I am and wish to be for all eternities, forever will I praise the omnipotence of the Most High, because he chose thus to exalt thee. But since thou art so fortunate and so powerful with the Almighty, I conjure thee, O my lady, to look with an eye of mercy upon me, thy poor and miserable servant. Make me partaker in the gifts which the Lord has placed in thy hands for distribution among the needy. Raise me up from my abject state. Enrich my nakedness and poverty. And as a mistress, compel me to desire and do what is most perfect, helping me to find grace in the eyes of thy most holy Son and my Lord. In thy hands do I place my salvation, O mistress and queen. Do thou take charge of it to the end? For thy desires are holy and powerful on account of the merits of thy most holy Son and on account of the promises of the most holy Trinity, which are pledges for the fulfillment of all thy petitions and desires without fail. I myself have nothing to oblige thee, as I am unworthy, but as a substitute I offer thee, my lady, thy own sanctity and clemency. This concludes our reading for day 37 where we finished chapter 19, reading from paragraphs 298 to 311. Well, today, again, a very rich reading, a very beautiful reading in parts, speaking about Mary and also people having devotion or lack of devotion to her. We heard, For being in God, she never ceased to adore worship and petition the same God, an incarnate word within her womb, thus in spirit living in God and in the Lamb as in a temple, since her continual sanctity was befitting to such a temple. She never ceased to adore, worship, and petition that same God. Now from her place in heaven, she adores and worships and petitions God on our behalf. And then she wrote, With the deepest sorrow I behold Catholic princes, who are remiss in seeking the favor of the Queen, failed to ask her assistance in the great dangers of their states and do not look upon her as a refuge and protection as an intercessor and advocate. And she goes on to really share what Mary can do for that ruler, what Mary can do for that country in her role again as advocate and protectress, as one who prays before the throne of God. It is with deep sorrow I behold Catholic princes who are remiss. But I think we can extend this. Think about all the Catholic faithful. Of course, you're listening to this. You're devoted to Mary. Many people maybe pray a rosary every now and again, but only a select number of believers probably, you know, a small percentage, I mean, Pray daily the rosary, as Our Lady of Fatima requested. And so we think about all of the other Catholics who are indifferent as well to Marian devotion. I know of families, and I like this, that they do it, that something bad happens, so they gather together and they pray the rosary. But we should pray the rosary all the time that we should seek the favor of this queen, that we should never fail to ask her assistance in the great dangers of our states, that we should always look upon her as a refuge and protection. It's what the Hail Holy Queen says. To thee do we fly, poor banished children of Eve. We flee to the Blessed Mother. We go to her, asking for her help, asking for her prayers, asking for her intercession, that by her life, She might be that guiding star for us, that she might lead us to the kingdom of everlasting life. Would that in order to arrive at the summit of thy happiness, all thy inhabitants unite in a burning devotion to the Most Holy Mary. We talked about that a few days or maybe a week or so ago, where it said in the reading Uh, How, you know, there was this desire that this was the time for us to rise up in devotion to Mary. And again, we hear it echoed. If all the inhabitants had a burning devotion to Mary, if we appreciated her role in salvation history. Mary truly is our intercessor. And I know for me, I have noticed her help so often in my own life. And I'm sure you have too. So let us today give thanks for that devotion that we have to the Blessed Mother. And let us also then ask the Blessed Virgin to allow all people to unite in that devotion to her. So that in the end, as she said at Fatima, that her Immaculate Heart would triumph. That when we all are under the banner of her Immaculate Heart, that there might be true peace and triumph in the world. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year, I'm reading The Mystical City of God. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope you'll join me again tomorrow. Until then, may God bless you and Mary pray for you.